Boy, I didn't... I didn't really need a count in there. But we're live and... We're talking like Alex Jones here. We're in Josh's studio. He's got a Neve compressor on the vocal. We're gonna go ahead and put... Put something else on, uh... On here. Maybe we'll put on like a... Had to step off mic to almost barf there for a second because I'm Alex Jones. Just kidding. I'm going to put on a Teltronics LA-2A Legacy compressor. I'm in the Rocky Mountains over here. I haven't been to the Rockies since I was about 13 years old, and that's when I first contemplated death. It wasn't because of the Rockies, but rather it was... Just a random occurrence, a lonely moment in the hotel room at the Courtyard Marriott. And indeed, our hotel room was on probably about the 6th or 7th floor, pretty high up there, on the edge of a courtyard, right outside the hotel room where the sofa bed, or the sofa folded out into a bed. So, effectively, it's a sofa bed, hybrid situation. I sat in the dark, the blackout curtains drawn thinking to myself perhaps it was the altitude perhaps it was that mountainscape had I undrawn the blinds in the master bedroom but I couldn't get to the master bedroom because my grandparents were shut behind it sleeping so I sat there by myself thinking 13 years of my life has passed 13 years I will never get back Every day that passes me by, life is a while away. Every act significant, final. Be careful. My cat is here. Max. Hi, Max. He's a little bit early for his segment, but I just wanted to get him because he's been, well, we're in COVID times here. Which is likely the time frame everyone's starting their podcast. But Max, you got to say, say something. Go ahead. Anyway, I don't really speak with an Alex Jones voice. I'm from Michigan, from around the Detroit area. I'm about a half mile from the Detroit border. Um, and yeah, this is my dispatch, and I don't know what times, end times, who knows? Maybe, maybe I don't. I don't know what to think of those assumptions anymore. Is there a country out there that's trying to invade us right now? Huh. That's an interesting thought. They won't even be able to get paper towel. Much less rubbing alcohol. I've been going on the same tablespoon of rubbing alcohol I've had in my cabinet for the past 
37 and a half months, it seems like. I use it by the Q-tip full. I tip the bottle over and pour it into the little cap like I'm pouring a shot for a grasshopper. And instead of doing that, I take a Q-tip and I slowly and surely submerge it in the surface of the rubbing alcohol pooled in the cap and basically saturate the Q-tip and use it to clean out various nooks and crannies of electronics devices um, that I'm not able to clean easily otherwise. Um, so, that's how I've learned to be resourceful nowadays. But otherwise, I'm, I'm really panicking because <clears throat> we haven't exactly been hoarders of food. We, we don't keep much food in our fridge or in our pantry, to be honest with you. Our kitchen right now is barely, barely usable. Um, we bought this house two years ago. And, uh, it's been pretty nice. But it's also a lot of work. And it doesn't quite feel like home yet. You know, I while away in the studio because uh, I don't know what else to do. <sighs> I don't know who I'm confessing to, but it feels like a confession. Because every other realm of my life, I'm expected to act like it's back to normal. I'm back to work. Things are back to normal. But they aren't. Because I'm one of, like, 12 people there at any given time. On a campus that used to have 250 on a normal day. All of our desks in our open office plan, the Japanese style. We're divided now. By partitions. Six feet tall. And the desks were divided six feet of distance across the rows from one another and along the lengths of each rows. So frequently, every other desk would be roped off with caution tape. Do not sit here, lest you violate the six-foot social distancing policy. That was never tested because almost nobody had a reason to even come into the office. I was part of the lucky group that had reason to go in. And I am lucky. I have a job. I have gainful employment and an income. But it's not stimulating work. In fact, it's maddening. Because while discord goes on all around me, political intrigue, civil unrest, the collapse of the economy, conspiracy theories, iconoclastic Hollywood comedians that are nevertheless entertainers that I find myself enmeshed in in my boring office life where I choose between podcast evil and podcast evil 
Joe Rogan experience or the fighter and the rapist or Chris DeLire a man who supposedly never had knowledge that the girls he was messaging on Instagram and soliciting hangouts of perhaps sexual nature were underage weird world man I feel like the comics I liked back in the day first of all I love stand up comedy it's how I got into podcasts I really liked Mark Marin. I always enjoyed hearing his monologues how he tied together disparate streams of thought into one semi-coherent narrative coherent by virtue of its poetry not of its theme good poeticism in your language, lyrical language allows for sort of uh, eloquence and uh, ease and liquidity with which one can jump from topic to topic. Although, I loathe the forms where it's overtly topical. Here's our current events segment. What is this, the middle school announcements? Um, yeah. So I've been I've been trying to read some poetry and I found a really, uh, a really uh, interesting book called Unoya. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's by an author named Christian Book. Um, this is like an award-winning uh, poetry novel. And the title means beautiful thinking. And it is also the shortest English word to contain all five vowels. So if you consider that sort of factoid, that's really the basis for each one of these poems. So this book also contains them all, except that each one appears by itself in its own chapter. A unique personality for each vowel soon emerges. A is courtly, E is elegiac, I is, or L is lyrical. O is jocular. U is obscene. This is uh, a um, selection um, for Dick Higgins. Writhing is inhibiting. Sighing, I sit scribbling in ink, this pigeon script. I sing with nihilistic witticism, disciplining signs with trifling gimmicks, impish hijinks which highlight stick sigils. Isn't it glib? Isn't it chic? I fit childish insights with rigid limits, writing shtick which might 
instill priggish misgivings in critics blind with hindsight. I dismiss nitpicking criticism which flirts with philistinism. I bitch. I kibitz. Griping whilst criticizing dimwits. Sniping whilst indicting nitwits. Dismissive simplistic thinking in which philippic wit is still illicit. Pilgrims digging in shifts, dig till midnight in mining pits, chipping flint with picks, drilling schist wall drills, striking in rich mining zinc. Irish farms hiring mix, whilst firing Brits, bringing in smiths with mining skills, kiln whites, grilling bricks in brick kilns, millwrights, grinding grist in grist mills, Irish tinsmiths fiddling with widgets, fix this rig driving its drills which spin whirring drill bits. I pitch in fixing things. I rig this winch with its wiring. I fit this drill with its piping. I dig this ditch. Filling bins with dirt. Piling it high. Sifting it. Till I find bright prisms twinkling with glitz. Hiking in British districts, I picnic in virgin firths, grinning in mirth with misfit whims, smiling if I find birch twigs, smirking if I find midsprigs, midspring brings with singing birds six kinds, finch, siskin, ibis, tit, pipit, swift, whistling shrill chirps, trilling chur, chur in high pitch, kingbirds, flit in gliding flight, skimming limpid springs, dipping wingtips in rills, which brim with living things, krill, shrimp, brill, fish with gilt fins, which swim in flitting zigs. Might Virgil find bliss implicit in this primitivism? Might I mimic him in print if I find his writing inspiring? Fishing till twilight, I sit drifting in this birch skiff, jigging kingfish with jigs, bringing in fish which nip this bright string, its vivid glint bristling with stick pins, whilst I slit this fish in its gills, knifing it, slicing it, killing it with skill, shipwrights might trim this jib, swinging it right, hitching it tight, riding brisk winds which pitch this skiff, tipping it, tilting it, till this ship in crisis flips, rigging rips, Christ, this ship is sinking, Diving in, I swim, fighting this frigid swirl, kicking, kicking, swimming in it till I sigh high cliffs, rising indistinct and thick mists, lit with lightning. Lightning blinks, striking things in the midst with blinding light, whirlwinds whir, driftwinds drift, spindrift is spinning in thrilling whirly gigs. Which blind spirits is whining in this whistling din? Is it this grim glitch? Which is writhing in its pit, lifting its lid with whitish limbs, rising vivific? with ill will in its mind, victimizing kids timid with fright? If it is, which blind witch is mis- midwifing at myth birth, binding this hissing jinny with witching spiritism? Is it this thin, sickish girl twitching in fits whilst writing things in spirit writing? If it isn't, it is I. It is I. Lightning flicks its riding whip, blitzing this night with bright schisms, sick with stasis and drizzling mist. I limp, sniffling, spitting, violet spit, itching, livid skin, skin which is tingling with stinging pinpricks. I find this frigid, drisk, dispiriting still. I find its chilling wind chill. I climb cliffs, flinching with skittish instincts. I might slip, I might twist this infirm wrist, crippling it, wincing, while I bind it in its splint. 
cringing whilst I gurge in that sling. Still I risk climbing, sticking with it, striving till I find this rift in which I might fit. Hiding in it till winds diminish. Minds grim with nihilism still find first light in spiring mild pent. Intinted shining twilight brings bright tidings which lead lift sinking spirits. With firm will I finish climbing. Hiking till I find this inviting inn, in which I might sit dining. I thirst. I bid girls brief stiff drinks, gin fizz, which I might sip. Whilst finishing this rich dish, nibbling its tidbits, ribs with wings and chili, figs with kiwis and icing. I swig citric drinks with vim, tip cling, kirsch, imbibing a till, giggling. I flirt with girlish virgins in miniskirts. I miss living in sin. Pinching thighs, kissing lips, pinch with lipstick, slick pimps, bribing civic kingpins to still gin and stills, spiking drinks with illicit pills which might bring bliss. Whiz kids in silk knit shirts, script films in which slim girls might strip jiggling tits, wiggling hips, inciting wild shindigs. Twin siblings in bikinis might kiss rich bigwigs, giving this prim prig his wish, whipping him, tickling him, licking his limp dick till rigid his prick. Him. His prick spills his jism. Shit! This ticklish victim is trifling with kink. Sick minds thriving in kinship with pigs might find insipid thrills in this field. This flick irks critics. It's swine shit. Piggy shit stinks. Thinking of strict limits is stifling whilst Viking knights fight griffins. I skirmish with this wheeling sphinx. The sigil eye. I print lists, filing things, kin with kin, ilk with ilk. Inscribing this distinct sign, listening things, listing things in which its imprint is intrinsic. I find its missing links, divining its implicit tricks. I find it whilst skin diving in Fiji. I find it whilst picnicking in Linz. I find it in Inniskillen. I find it in Mississippi. I find it whilst skiing in Minsk. Is this intimism civilizing if climbs, limbs it if list? Lilts it? I sigh. I lisp. I finish writing this writ, signing it, kind sir. I listen. He needs it. It's a very tough one. Um, thank you for sticking with me. That was a poem from a very challenging to read book that I will be sticking with and probably reading selections from uh, that is Unoya by Christian Burke um, and I'm probably butchering that name if he finds out about it maybe we can uh, have an interview with him um, fascinating book it's like reading Shakespeare you really try to embody the flow of the meaning of the words is almost a performance in and of itself. It's like acting reading that uh, level of poetry. It's quite beautiful, but also mathematical and brilliant. <laughs> it's just a brilliant idea. So thank you for listening to that first segment. I'm going to go to some music here. Um, yep, And I will see you on the other side. Yeah, all right. Uh. 
All right. Who's back? Who's back? It's it's me. You know, Alex Rush. Limbaugh Rush. Alex Jonesbaugh. Alex Jonesy Rush. Rushy Jonesbaugh. Hi, I'm Rushy Jonesbaugh. And I'm hoping you're finding a good good point to just relax on this break at home. This quarantine, we have this fabricated quarantine. This sentencing to an abysmal end to our civilization. Sorry, I gotta nearly throw up off mic over here. Back from the commercial break. Commercial or music? I don't know. Waiting for my wife to get back from the store. And uh, I figured I'd read another another bit of poetry for you. Uh, uh, I started at I, so I guess I'm going to go around the... Uh, fuck that voice. All right, I, I started yesterday at the letter I, right? In this book, Unoya, by Christian Book, right? Um, so I wanted to read more today. I read the letter I yesterday. If if you're not familiar with this, then go back to yesterday's podcast or the first segment or however I've organized this. Go back to the letter I and just read it, listen to it. Um, I'm a little on edge today. I don't know if you can notice. Um, personal stuff happening a lot of personal things happening creatively I am at a standstill nearly I play in a band still but um we're undergoing some weird uh sort of I don't know what tension maybe I don't know trying to just see it through you know Whatever breathing exercises I can devise for myself or take from, you know, an Icelandic person. Icelandic people are healthy, right? Is it Finnish people or Norwegian people who live to be oldest or healthiest or whatever the fucking metric is? I, I, I really don't know. At any rate... I'd like to read to you the chapter E. Okay? It's about 17 pages long, so it's going to be another about 20-minute segment, okay? So this chapter is for René Crevel, complete with diction. Enfettered. These sentences repress free speech. The text deletes selected letters. We see the revered exegete, exegete reject metered verse, the sestet, the tercet, even les sins élevés en grec. He rebels. He sets new precedents. He lets cleverness exceed decent levels. He eschews the esteemed genres, the expected themes, even les belles lettres inverses. He prefers the perverse French esthetes. Verne, Perret, Genet, Perec. Hence, he pens fervent screeds, then enters the street, where he sells these letter press newsletters three cents per sheet. 
He engenders perfect newness wherever we need fresh terms. Relentless, the rebel peddles these theses, even when vexed peers deem the new precepts mere dreck. The plebes resent newer verse. Nevertheless, the rebel perseveres, never deterred, never dejected, heedless, even when hecklers heckle the vehement speeches. We feel perplexed whenever we see these excerpted sentences. We sneer when we detect the clever scheme, the emergent repentant, repetend, the letter E. We jeer, we jest, we express resentment, we detest these depthless pretenses, these present tense verbs expressed pell-mell. We prefer genteel speech, where sense redeems senselessness. Westerners revere the Greek legends. Versemen retell the represented events, the resplendent scenes where hellbent the Greek freemen seek revenge whenever Helen, the new wed empress, weeps. Restless, she deserts her fleece bed where, detested, her wedded regent sleeps. When she remembers Greece, her seceded dements, she feels wretched. Left here bereft, she needs her needs never met. She needs rest. Nevertheless, her demented fevers render her sleepless. Her sleeplessness enfeebles her. She needs help. Nevertheless, her stressed nerves render her cheerless. Her cheerlessness fetters her. Whenever Helen feels these stresses, she trembles. She frets. Her helplessness vexes her. She feels depressed, even when her cleverest beekeepers fetch her the freshest sweets. She feels neglected even when her shrewdest gem-seekers feature her greenest jewels. She regrets her wretchedness, her dejectedness. Nevertheless, she keeps her deepest regrets secret. She never lets herself express her echt weltschmerz. She never vents spleen. She never tents whenever she keeps her vehemence repressed. Hence, she seeks lewd revelment. Le fêtes de la red, where revelers lend her cheer. Whenever Helen dresses herself en fête, her sewn vestments reflect her resplendence whenever she needs new ensembles. Her seamstress sew her ten velveteen dresses and hem her red checkered sleeves, her jeweler's bevel gems, and bejewel her scepter. L'emblem, la regence celeste. Her eldest helpers preen her tresses, then her effete servers serve her dessert. The Empress prefers sweetened preserves, hence her serfs get her best gels ever gelled. Le peche gelés, blended, sherbet, served fresh. The scented dessert smells even sweeter when the air, the sweetness melts. Whenever Helen needs effervescent refreshments, she tells her expert brewer, brew me the best beer ever brewed. Whenever she lets her fermenters ferment the perfect beer, revelers wreck the kegs, then feed themselves the lees. Wretchers wretch, belchers belch, jesters express extreme glee. Wenches then sell these lewd perverts sex. The lechers leer whenever svelte negresses tempt the perverted gentlemen. The empress revels. She sheds her velvet dress, then she lets repellent men pet her tender flesh. Her lewdness renders even those leechers speechless. She resembles the lewdest Jezebel. Whenever Helen seeks these perverse excesses, her regretted deeds depress her. Hence, Helen beseeches Ceres, the blessed Demeter. Let the let sweet Leth bless me, lest these res recent events be remembered. Then the Empress feeds herself fermented hemp seed, her preferred nepenthe, 
Whenever she chews these hellbred seeds, the hemp weed skews her senses. The hemp, when chewed, lessens her tenseness, hence she feels serene. Nevertheless, the weed, when needed, renders her dependent. She enters the deepest sleep, the nether sphere, where sleepers delve the secret depths. Whenever Helen sleeps, her essence enters the ether, the deep well, where she feels herself descend deeper, deeper. Her descent seems endless, nevertheless, she lets herself be swept wherever the gentle breeze sweeps her. She regresses, she sees levels never seen except when men enter the seven hills. Le enfer éternel des pères. The fell dens where van beetles creep, the deep fens where leeches dwell, there the sewers reek, the stench repels. Nevertheless, the sleek green eels feed themselves the excrement, the expelled feces, the excreted dregs, and the serpents breed themselves. Whenever Helen enters Hell's deepest recesses, she sees Hell's meekest dwellers. She meets the repenters, never redeemed. She greets her decadent elders. The elder seers, when greeted, tell her, repent, repent, never let the tempters here tempted thee. Then these helpless wretches tell her these spells best kept secret, lest the tempted emptress reverse these hexes, then set free demented specters held here bespell. The three spells, when reversed, sever these hexed fetters. Hence, the berserk of freets, when freed, screech hell spells, then flee these endless deserts where the embers swelter. Whenever Helen sleeps, her fevered rest meekens her. Hence, she re-emerges in fable, enfeebled, her strength expended, her reserves depleted, the extended fevers when severe entrench her enfeeblement. She clenches her teeth and exerts herself, nevertheless she feels strengthless. Her meek self rendered even meeker, her strengthlessness dejects her. She sneezes, she wheezes, then she spews phlegm. Nevertheless, she rejects her self-centered meekness. She begs her defenders, defend me. She begs her redeemers, redeem me. Then she decrees, never desert me. Lend me your renewed verve. Hermes, the messenger, tells her the news. Thebes sends the fleet. The Hellene freemen seek redress. The steersmen steer the Zebex between steep sheared clefts where reefs prevent sheltered birth. There the tempests whelm the decks, then wreck the keels, the helms, left crewless whenever the elements beset these crewmen. The December sleet drenches the tethered nets, then threshes the fettered pegs. Hence the deckmen wedge the kevels and check the kedges. Nevertheless these vessels teeter, the lee sheets when drenched get reft, then rent. The wheelmen when wet rest the wheel. Mermen help these helmsmen berth the wrecked vessels. Then the Greek crews erect well-defended shelters wherever the fleet gets berthed. Men erect mass tents and feed sheds. The settlers dredge the kelp beds, then extend the levees. The wreckers half sledges, then the hewers hew the evergreens. When the evergreens get felled, the trestlemen erect trestles. The smeltermen erect smelters. Men smelt the steel, then the deftest welders weld the tempered sheet steel wherever men screw the screws. The best sled ever hewn gets erected. The shell, when welded, resembles the fleetest steed. Greek schemers respect shrewdness. Hence, the shrewd rebels enter the sled's secret recess, the sled's nested crush where these few men keep themselves secreted. Then the sled gets sent wherever the nemeses dwell. There, the Greek pretenders pretend the well-hewn steed represents the perfect present. 
The wedded regret sees these presenters present the steed, hence he decrees the plebes express ex excellent reverence. He never detects the pretense, hence he errs where he lets the pre presented steed enter the crenelled keep. The rebels never get detected when the keep gets entered. Greek schemers seek egress in Penebre, then enter the melee, the welter where berserk tempers seethe whenever men's metal, then men's fettle gets tested. There the Greek berserkers serve men's thews and then shred men's flesh. When the rebels beset defended trenches, the defenders retrench themselves and then strengthen in embedded defenses. The strengthened deterrence deters the rebels. Nevertheless, these men esteem relentlessness. Hence, the rebels expend themselves, then reject detent. We see them repel retrenched defensemen, then render the bested men defenseless. Epis when hefted skewer the fencers, when wrestled, wrestle these skewered men. Men's knees get threshed, men's necks get wrenched. Deft fletchers when steel-edged reeds then fletch these whetted skewers. When the helmeted men get pelted, the slender needles, le flechettes, dent the crusted helmets. The steel vests deflect even these keen edges. Nevertheless, the steel sheen gets etched, then dented. The deserters defect. The men flee these entrenchments. Where lepers get trench fever, there legless men bleed. The welts fester. The severed members, strewn helter-skelter, redden the ceremonies. Bells knell when the keep gets leveled. Then Greek rebels cheer when Helen enters her Greek temple. The steepled glebe where jeweled steeples shelter her of Thebes. There the, rever the reverends bless the freed empress. The Greek sects revere her great gentleness, her tenderness. Hence, these prefects help her seek self-betterment. The Zen seers tell her, greed begets greed, never be self-centered, be selfless. She defers, her deference seems reverent. The empress kneels, then keens her vespers. The pewter censer spews the sweetest peppered scent. She feels refreshed, she feels perfected. Helen remembers Crete, the Eden where senescent shepherds, les bergers de bêtes, herd bellwether sheep. There, Helen sees the pebbled steps, the eskers where shirt, scree bestrews the ledges. Helen treks wherever herdsmen trek. She sees the velts where ewes, when fleeced, chew the sedges. She sees the glens, then the dells where the elk herds chew the vetch. She helps the herders erect fenced pens where hens peck feed, then she helps the shepherdesses sell the eggs. The sheep herders mend fences, the sheep tenders tend hedges. The sheep breeders even breed steer, then geld them. Helen sees the September breezes bend the elm trees, the perches where the egrets then the grebes perch themselves. There the petrels then the tersels nest. Helen lets the geese peck seedlet kernels, except when ferret pester the mews. The kestrel screech, the wren peep, tweet tweet, the turns keen, cheep cheep, the peewee peep tweets tweedle, tweedledee tweedledee, the creeks wend between beech trees and end where freshnets feed the mears. There the speckled perch teen, there the freckled newts rest, the leverets, then the shrews chew the nettles, the dew bedews the fern. When Vermeer sketches Le Belles Femmes de Delft, he remembers Helen, then lends these sketches to her extreme sereneness. When the sketchers, 
Erte, Ernst, Klee, Leger, even Belmer. Render les envements des rives. These esthetes get felt pens, then sketch her presence. She seems sexless. Nevertheless, men esteem her perv pert sveltness. Her slender legs, her perfect feet. She represents perfectness. Hence, we never see her defects, the speckles, the freckles. Men see her leaven, elven slenderness, then pledge themselves her serfs. She resembles Eve, the temptress. Hence, elle regne et I can't read fucking French at all. <laughs>